0: You may be seated. First time I heard that song was out in Ames, Iowa, at a church called Cornerstone. And the group of people that were committing to come into Columbus and help start this church were there to be commissioned by that church. I arrived massively discouraged. Bonnie and I believed that God was calling us here. We quit our, my job. We made the arrangements. We had one little small problem. We couldn't buy a house. Uh, I don't know if you were a part of that market, but we just kept getting lose the bid, lose the bid, lose the bid, lose the bid. And we, on the way out the airport, a house we were super excited about, we literally were moments away from taking stuff down to the car to fly to Ames. We got the call, bid. And that was the bid that I really was unwise in the amount of money. I was gonna take out of different areas to get us in a house. And I thought to myself, I don't know what to do. I, I don't have any money. And, and the person who led it said that uh, she wanted us to think about something for us that just seems impossible. Some care, some concern, some something. Um, I'm not easily, that kind of stuff sometimes feels awkward for me. And I started to think about the house. And that's what we say. And I remember my time with God during that to say, You literally. Could speak a word and we will get a house. And I need you to do that. And I think Bonnie and I still walk into that house on a regular basis, overwhelmed. And every time I sing this song, I think of all, not just that, but all the times in my life I knew God spoke into my life and moved people's hearts the forces of nature, the events of human history to uh, accomplish that. So thank you, team, again, for reminding me of that. Uh, welcome, again, to those of you, if you I've not met you, I'm Dwight, one of the pastors here at the church, and I read a quote r- recently that really grabbed my attention in light of what I uh, have been assigned to talk to you about today, and it said this, it said, Someone who truly loves you, sees what a mess you can be, how moody you can get, and how hard you can be, uh, how hard it can be to handle you, but still wants you. And I thought to myself, that is the perfect statement for what we're gonna talk about today. And that is uh, conflict in the family. Conflict and communication. I think no one in this room would argue with me if I said to you, started off by saying, relationships are hard, complex, and immensely complicated. I remember how stunning this discovery was for me. I married my high school sweetheart. We wanted so bad to get married, I asked my dad, If we could get married, he didn't think I was old enough, and so we waited. I felt like there was just so many hoops I had to jump through to finally be able to marry Bonnie. I remember when we got done with all the, you know, the reception and everything, and we had changed, we're heading to our honeymoon, we actually pulled over to the side of the road and just looked at each other, kind of like, this is incredible, this has finally happened. But the reality is, if I'm honest with you, is the first year, the best word I could use to describe it was raw. It was difficult. Part of its difficulty is because, I'm sure not as much as she realized, Bonnie married an idiot. And I knew very little about relationships. I grew up in a home of four boys. There was a certain way you handled conflict in that environment. Uh, the method to handle conflict with brothers doesn't work as well in a marriage. But the other thing that so stunned me was that it is true that there's no human being on this planet that brings me greater joy, that has has had a greater influence on who I am, what I've become, and what I'm doing and with my life. If you name the positive emotion that a human can feel, nobody brings that into my heart like she does. But at the same time, nobody can exacerbate me, frustrate me, and bring me to clenching my teeth than she can. And how do you explain that? And you explain it in part because it's just complicated in a marriage. And some of you aren't married, but you have relationships that you would say is exactly like that. Somebody that on the one hand is, is you know, your best friend, the person that you have most intimate interactions with you know, uh, is so close to you, yet at the same time can be so unbelievably difficult and exas- exacerbating to us. And so today, what I wanna do is, we've been talking about family. We started off by looking at uh, the goals and wins for family. We talked about marriage. We talked about singleness. And today, what we're gonna talk about is conflict, conflict. Now, what I want to do first is I want to give you some reasons why there's conflict. And my hope is that you'll sit there and go, oh, yes, that's the one for us. I'm really praying that you'll be able to walk away from here with some very specific realization that that's sort of the one for us. And then what I want to do that I'm super excited about is I want to look at at some principles we read in the Bible. I'm, one of the sort of side goals I have for today is that you would walk away, and for some of you that maybe are new to the Bible and think the Bible is only about like spiritual things and theological truths and not understand that the Bible is about everything related to being a human. And it even speaks to areas like this to give us guidelines and principles of how we can handle these complicated things as humans in relationships. So, I wanna, these are not all of them, but here's some ones that, that I see generally in uh, marriage for conflict. First one is that we all come from different cultures. I think this was is important to keep in mind because I think when we say cultures, we think, um, you know, geographic. So, we can understand and say, well, Kyle and Katie obviously have come from different cultures because. Katie grew up in the United States, and Kyle grew up in uh, Canada, and they just do weird things in Canada. And when you do weird things in Canada, it seems complicated. It it addresses. Sometimes people think that, and they think ethnicity. And it's true that different ethnicities coming together can create some conflict over ethnicity, But what's astonishing to me is that you can take two people of the same ethnicity from the same country, put them in the same small town, have them go to the same school, grew up maybe in the same neighborhoods, friends, everything, church, everything together, and they get married, and suddenly you realize there's this thing called the Peterson culture. There's a way Petersons do it, and this thing called the Dallenberg culture, and they're very different. It can be things like, we wanted to teach our kids how to respect grandpa and grandma. So one of the rules was, I would say to them, this was for my dad, if he walks into the room where the TV is, who's ever sitting in the most comfortable chair gets out of that chair and has grandpa sit in the chair, and if there's a remote, I don't know that we use those (laughs) so much anymore, but a remote, whatever you're watching on TV, doesn't matter, grandpa gets the remote and we watch whatever grandpa watches. At some point during that, grandpa's going to say, what kind of ice cream do you have? And when he does that, you stand up and you say, grandpa, do you want me to get you some ice cream? He's going to say, no, no, I just wanted to know what kind you have. And if you don't know what kind you have, you go to the freezer, you find out what kind you have, you come back and you say, these are the kind, I want to get you some. And he's going to say, no, no, I'll get it myself. And you say, no, I will get it for you. Now let's suppose Luke goes over to his friend Ross's house and he comes home and I say, how did it go? And he says, you can't believe how disrespectful those kids are to their grandfather. And I'm like, wow, what in the world happened? He's like, well, first of all, we're watching TV and his grandfather came in and nobody moved out of their seat. And he was like, what are you guys watching? And nobody was like, oh, we don't have to watch this. We can watch whatever. And then he said, what kind of ice cream do you want? And they said, I don't know. Now, are they being disrespectful? Well, in one culture, but I'm sure within their family culture, they come to our house and they go home and have the same conversation, right? It's difficult to blend that. We actually have in the Bible, there's a book called Acts that was written by a man named Luke. And in the early church, they started to have this uh, kind of conflict because people were getting saved from all sorts of different uh, cultures. And they come into this church and they're struggling to figure out how we're going to do church with all these different Uh, Cultures, and they actually, there's another example where the Bible gives to us specific guidelines of how to do church as it relates to these kinds of things. A second reason there's conflict is because we have different levels of understanding regarding different issues and topics. Sometimes you can have somebody who, you know, got a master's degree or a doctorate degree in a certain subject, and you have somebody else who doesn't have any idea on those subjects. And so you begin to, uh, you know, there's some people that uh, are, uh, you know, really bright, some people that don't process information that quickly. Some people, this is kind of the ones in our family, uh, and Bonnie and I, one of us has a capacity to build soundproof, no reason to debate, logical arguments for everything. And then there's somebody who doesn't think that way or at least process things differently. It can be over issues about raising kids. It can be issues over budget. It can be buying a house, making a career move, and you start to talk about things. And I'm very guilty of this, that I'm arguing or talking from a perspective of all this information I've thought through and have details and I bring it to Bonnie and expect her in the immediate time I say it to just simply say, you are so wise, you are so smart, you have obviously thought through everything. Yes, that's what we'll do. A third reason is because we desire to grow and learn. You know, there are people who You get you want to start thinking through your perspective on things. Sometimes you just want to figure out in a discussion uh, how you feel. So uh, uh, I enjoy this. You know, somebody has a different perspective, and you just have a conversation to see if maybe there's some loopholes in your own argument, or uh, um, you know, something that you hadn't thought about. Some of you are very confident in your decisions you've thought through, and here's a person that's brand new to it. And sometimes it can feel like when you're asking questions, you're not asking questions, you're actually making uh, accusations. Somebody asked me recently, what's the difference between being critical in conversation and being what they described as a critical thinker, somebody who's trying to process information? And I said, I think being critical is when you're focused on the person you're talking to and you're being critical, meaning that you're doing something wrong or thinking about something wrong and I'm trying to get you to change your mind about it. And when you're trying to think critically about something, it's really about me. It's I'm trying to examine and think through my decisions and how I'm doing something. Again, I discovered early, Bonnie tends to, for instance, cross things out loud. So, I think this literally happened early. It's like, uh, hey, what do you wanna do for vacation? And Bonnie would say, uh, hey, let's go to Hawaii. And I would be like, Hawaii? Have you not looked at our budget? What in the world are you thinking? And I would go through all these things, and suddenly I realized, in fact, I read a book that was talking about this, and I read that, and I'm like, that's exactly what happens to us. Bonnie tends to process out loud. There would have been a time where I would have thought to myself, hey, I'd love to go to Hawaii for vacation, but I would immediately think through and process and cross it out. So I'm not going to verbally throw that suggestion out there because I've already worked through it, but she doesn't think that way. And fourth, reality is, we often just have sinful attitudes and intentions. We sometimes are people who wanna make our point, wanna make somebody else look bad. We're just, as we describe it in our home, we're just nothing like Jesus. It's amazing to me how many times I have to go to Bonnie and say, I'm so sorry, That Jesus would never have used that tone. Jesus would never have argued with you that way. I'm just not like Jesus. And I think there's something that I want you to pick up on because I think this will really help you in your understanding of conflict because you could be like me who thinks that all this conflict we're having is an indication that we need serious marriage counseling. We've got serious problems. And the reality is that three of the four have nothing to do with any kind of uh, selfish, sinful kinds of things. They're just natural things that happen. And if we can learn to respond to them, then instead of what often happens, conflict leads to everything horrible, to separation, to hurt. That was another cultural thing. Bonnie grew up in a home where conflict always led to something negative. It always led to separation. It led to divorces. It led to sometimes other kinds of behavior that just wasn't good. And I grew up in a home where it wasn't always pretty but I didn't see conflict in the same way. So that was another thing. Even even conflict became a conflict in our home. We started to have conflict, and Bonnie would just want to resolve it, just want to reduce the tension. If she needed to say, I'm sorry, and she didn't even think, she just didn't want our relationship to go there. But the great news is that God has given to us in the writers of the Bible strategies that will help us take these conflicts, even the ones that sometimes come from our own selfishness and our own pride, we can enter into them and they can become things that actually grow us as individuals and actually grow us as a couple. Let me give you a few of them. Here's the first thing you can do. The first thing we can do in conflict is cover it with love and believe the best about the person and just determine that we're gonna be gracious and generous. There's a great verse in the book in your Bible called Corinthians that says, love never gets up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. I may not know what the motivation is for the comment, but I certainly can assume it's a good thing. If I were to list, you know, I sit down and list on a piece of paper five reasons why Bonnie or one of my kids or a friend I'm in a relationship said what they said or did what they did, I can come up with a good reason that's understandable that causes me to be okay with it. And we can do that. We can actually do that. Just believe the best about people. In a book in in the Bible called Romans, we read this verse. It says, so let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble or fall. It's just, again, just decide that I'm not going to make an issue of this, and I'm going to believe the best about somebody, and we can continue to work on this. Now, sometimes you can't, and that brings me to the second one. Sometimes it's Maybe the issue is too significant or it's just a burden that keeps weighing you down. Or maybe you think the issue is too big, so what do we do then? Here's a suggestion, have a conversation. Have a conversation. It might amaze you, because I've read many of them, how many books there are out there To just train us how to have a conversation. And by the way, I'm not talking about text and email. I get that's a type of conversation. I'm talking about sitting down with somebody and actually talking to each other directly. In fact, I just read a, a, a book over the summer that's called How to Have that Difficult Conversation. The whole book, an entire book is about when there's conflict and you need to have a conversation with somebody about that conflict, how exactly do you do that in a productive way? But let me give you some, these are what I call ground rules. This will help you. You're having this conversation to seek to understand, not undermine. This is about me trying to understand what Bonnie's feeling, what she's thinking, not to take her arguments and rip them apart so that she'll agree with me. I'm having a conversation to do an investigation, not to make an accusation. I'm trying to investigate and figure out what's going on here. Can you help me? It's so simple to say, you did this and it appeared to me this way or made me feel this way. Can you help me understand? Can you give me a perspective as opposed to putting your finger in their face and saying, you did this to make a determination, not perform an interrogation. I'll be honest with you, I conducted myself in a way that early in our relationship it became difficult because again, I, I can, I can spin words and I can build arguments and I can basically have an argument to make sure whatever happened that I come off the good guy and you come off the bad guy. And it took me a while to actually, first of all, believe this in general and communicate to Bonnie that I wanted to have this, this uh, conversation so that we could determine what really happened and have her share with me so that we could do that. And this is really my favorite one in marriage, and that is to have a discussion, not a debate. Debate's about winning and losing. Discussion's about understanding. And imagine again, if you go to what we talked about before and we believe the best about people and we just enter into a conversation. There's actually a passage in the Bible In the book of Matthew, that provides for us a model for this. And it actually talks to us about the fact that you have a conversation with somebody. And if that conversation doesn't seem to be going well, then have people help you. Have people listen to you. And again, this isn't a kind of thing that I bring my buddies that are gonna, you know, add more weights and now three of us are pointing the finger. This is about somebody who can be neutral and really be able to figure out what's going on there if if we need to. You've heard Luke mention here, those of you that have been visiting for a while, a method called OIC, which is a great thing to do this. O stands for observation, I just make an observation, and for me that's a factual, non-debatable, doesn't even have any value, doesn't make anybody guilty, it's just something that I observed or something that I heard, just giving the facts out. And then I stands for interpretation, and that's just me saying, here's what it could mean, and the key word is could. And obviously, one of those coulds is the negative interpretation I brought that is creating the conflict. But it could be wrong. In fact, I, only, I always encourage people when they're doing this to make sure that when they're giving op, you know, op- possible interpretations that most of them are positive and understandable and not all, well, it could be that you know, you're just mean. It could be that you don't want ever want me to do anything fun. It could be, and I list like eight reasons that are all negative and say, or maybe I just misunderstood it. Third, we make every effort to do what leads to peace. And here's the key one, peace and mutual growth. You see, we enter into this conversation because we want both of us to grow. It's about working to create an environment where we can develop a spirit of love and kindness within the conflict. We read in the Bible, this verse, it says, so let's stop condemning each other Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble or fall. Be that the person in my relationship. I'm trying to help them. I'm trying to build them up. And think what would happen if we actually entered into conversations to try to lead to peace and both of us growing and both of us becoming better as opposed to get my way or get what I want. Or get you to stop doing something. As opposed to trying to help each other grow. I have found Bonnie to be so helpful to me because Bonnie's somebody who can speak into things for me. She helps me process things. But again, what happens in in marriage often or family, even between husbands and, and really all relationship is that something happens and there's this conflict. Well, how do we decide what's really going on here? Well, the only way we can really decide that is have a conversation. But willing to, at the end of that conversation, me conclude that I was the one that was wrong and maybe Bonnie's the one that's wrong or maybe Kyle's the one that's wrong. But the only way we can find out is have a conversation. Fourth, bear with each other. I love that word. It means to put up with, endure, seek not to retaliate. It involves a willingness because you love the people to just deal except their faults, their unpleasant traits that irritate us and we're just gonna be okay with it. My dad would come, he loves ice cream, but my dad would take the spoon and he would, you know, keep going around and around and it would leave these gray like spoon marks on Bonnie's bowl. And I know there are places and maybe some of you come that that becomes a central issue to the relationship and a fight breaks out and grandpa never comes anymore, never has ice cream. And really, my dad is the kind of guy, and this is what Bonnie would say, my, my father-in-law is the kind of guy who has loved me and served me and helped me and done so much for this family. If he scratches every single one of my bowls, that's okay. I remember I bought my first stick shift And it was kind of a sporty red Honda Civic. And uh, my dad came and he wanted to visit it and he would grind the gears. He had a ball, great fun grinding the gears. And one day it occurred to me, it was like the Spirit of God said to me, with all he's done for you financially, he's done enough that if you have to replace the transmission, that's okay. Okay. He's earned that right. The Bible tells us, we who are strong should be considerate of those who are sensitive about other things. We must not please ourselves. Another place we read, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, this is the key phrase, and this is what undergirds this whole thing. Remember, the Lord forgave you. In fact, that's what Jesus said in the upper room before he went to heaven. He said to his closest friends and followers, he said, a new command I gave to you. Originally, the command had been to love others as as you would want to be treated. And then he said, a new one I give to you. And the new one is, I want you to treat people the way I have treated you. And if you know anything about the sacrifice of Jesus... If you know anything about the daily forgiveness of him in our lives and you decide that I want to treat people the way Jesus has treated me, it would certainly go a long way in us being able to deal with conflict and have conversations that actually do lead to growth. And lastly, and I have found this in my life to be one of the most powerful of them, pray together for God's direction. I'll be honest with you, it's the hardest thing for me to do. And, and I, why it is, I have no idea, but sometimes it's so hard for me to just say to Bonnie, let's just stop right now, walk over, grab her hand, and just say, God, we need you to help us right now. We need you to give us direction. We need you to speak into this. Would you just help us? I think one of the large parts where the reason that's hard hard for me is uh, I don't want to hear, actually, I've been waiting for you to ask me because you're the problem. And we can pray. So how are your relationships? Whether it be maybe as a couple, it's always fun for me when I do this, to watch certain couples smile or laugh and go, yeah, that's, that's ours, that's mine. I've prayed this week that we'd be a church where our families, our interpersonal relationships, that we'd see conflict as an opportunity that we enter into them in growth, that we begin to understand what, God calls us to, how, what it means to be like Jesus, even in the midst of way we'd have conflict. And, and here I want to read you one final section that to me would be the admonition I pray for myself and I pray for all of us as a part of this church. It says this, it says, Pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only starts fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, be patient with difficult people, gently instruct those who oppose the truth, perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Let me pray with you. Father, you know that it's been a uh, very timely for me to work through this passage of scripture this week. And how that Bonnie and I have sensed that uh, you've allowed and maybe even the enemy at times has initiated and us having to practice what we, I've talked about today. Thank you for the experience that comes from having worked through this over the years and while we still have a ways to go and while we still see, especially me, areas of my life that after all these years, I still need to become more like Jesus in those areas. And I pray for the people in this room that first of all, you would give to them great hope that in, in most cases probably, the conflicts that they experience are, are not indications of how horrible they are or how, what a disaster a relationship is. It's just the natural part of growth. But also that they would walk away from here with amazing that there's a God who not only saved them, there's a God who not only died for them, but also has has helped us by giving to us the content of our Bibles to help us think through and know how to respond when these kinds of things happen. Maybe today, Father, some people in this room need to uh, have a conversation today. Would you give them the capacity and ability to do that? Would you again, help us to be a church It doesn't shy away from these kinds of things, but embraces them and allows them to grow us as a church, to grow us as families, to grow us in community and relationship. In Jesus' name, amen.